Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, it is uh, very ghoulish in here today. All of the animals dressed up in their Halloween costumes. And uh, we ought to just get a group picture or a picture of some of these animals, put them up on the uh, website. Because it is so absolutely adorable. Most of them like it. Uh, Except I I think Nikki, Nikki's having trouble with. (laughs) There's nothing going on that gal's head. She just did not want to wear a hat. (laughs) And who can blame her? You know, some animals really get into this holiday. And then some, uh, you know, would rather just be curled up underneath the couch during the, that time because everything looks foreign to them and it kind of freaks them out. They can be freaked out real easy. Yeah, I know my cat, if I just, I have a headband with horns and I can sit right there and look at him and I put the headbands on and he arches up and I take him off and he sits back down. I put the headband on and he arches up. Uh. Yeah, Nikki, she has a thing where we walk through the neighborhood and neighbors put up a lot of those little fake gravestones and the ghouls <laughs> crawling and she, every year, she gets really just disturbed and it takes her a couple times of walking around the neighborhood to see this and until she realizes they're really not crawling out of the earth to get her. Now, of course, this is a busy time of the year at the office for you because of all of mm, the sure. uh, candy and uh, all the crap that uh, the dogs ingest, right? Yeah, well, uh, there's a lot of the, not just the chocolate, but the the other candies. So, you know, dog that eats lollipops. You know, there's things like the physical hazards of um, the foreign objects of having a lollipop uh, stick in their stomach. Mm. Um, so we see that kind of thing. And then just, you know, the sweets. There's so many different things when, when kids have those things and they have them around their toys then those toys might even smell like sweets and then oh. um i've seen it happen in my own household where anything next to the candy was ingested because it has that strong Ooh. odor wow. so they really can get into a lot of foreign object injection ingestions as well as you know the risk of the candies not just chocolate but uh don't they uh you know that fake sweetener what is that xylitol, xylitol. Xylitol, yeah. So, and a lot of people think that giving sugar-free gum is a great uh, alternative to these sweets to kids, um, but a lot of the sugar-free gums contain xylitol, which is very toxic. And actually, believe it or not, one piece of this can actually kill Oof. a dog. Oof. Hi, Ellen. Hi. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Clearwater, Florida. Clearwater, Florida. You had that kind of New York accent. Did you? Did you go from Northern New York, Brooklyn? Oh, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> how can we help you today? I have two dogs. One's a retired service dog at 12 years old, so she's kind of big, shepherd and something else. And I have a 19-year-old Pomeranian Chihuahua, okay? okay? And I took my dog to the vet three weeks ago to get groomed, to get their shots, and stay overnight. My vet is telling me now they cannot stay overnight until they get a flu shot. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. I'm really confused on the flu shot because the flu shot for people is not the flu this year. It's the last year. Mm-hmm. And when sure. I tried to clarify with her, this is the flu shot for this year, mm-hmm. she said yes. I okay. said, well, then why don't, don't they do that for people? Right? Well, that's a great and question. She said, I, need to, I can't bring them in to stay overnight anymore until I get them a flu shot. I'm concerned with their age, okay? And this is people. My stepdad had the flu shot, never had it before, never had the flu, had the flu for two years after he got the shot. Okay, okay? all right. And um, <laughs> I, I don't, she's telling me because all the dogs from Canada are coming down here for vacation in the winter. 
Okay. All right. Well, let's start, and we're going to dissect this and try to hit all those points because there's a lot okay. of really good okay. questions you have in there. So the canine influenza virus is similar but different than the human flu. So what we consider necessary for human vaccination guidelines is very different than in dogs for a couple okay. different reasons. One of the big things on the radar, um, especially since this last year in Chicago, they had that epidemic of uh, flu in the um, Midwest area, in the Chicago area. So because that disease is more apparent and more risk um, more risky in dogs that are in group activities, whether they board, they go to dog shows, they go to daycare, they go to the groomer, they um, may be at a higher risk of my acquiring. dogs stay home with me, I'm disabled. But you're taking and them the only to the time they really go out is to the vet. Okay, so if you're planning on boarding, it is totally within a facility's right to set their vaccine parameters according to the infectious disease risk of the area. Uh, right, now, not every right. area in the country has the same uh, incidence of canine flu. It's very different than people. People, it passes like the wind, and it'll cross the country. It's very easily passed from person to person. Because of our dog's activities are different than people, we're not, every not, every dog isn't going out and getting on the bus or getting on an airplane yeah. or going into the grocery store. So they're not having the same, same congregation issues. So the transmission of the disease is not as widespread as what the human influenza is. So okay, will there be other vaccinations um, down the road, upgrades of the flu vaccine? Maybe at some point, because we know there are two strains of canine influenza that are and now out, the H3N8 and H3N2. And that was actually what we discovered this last year, is that the outbreak in the Midwest was of the new variety, the H3N2. So the vaccination for canine influenza is actually for just that original strain at this time. We don't know for certain whether there's going to be cross-reactivity of the the original vaccination with the new strain. However, if you have influenza in in your state or in your region, then it's certainly wise to have that vaccination. So, and I can tell you that canine influenza has been noted in at least 40 states across the country. So this isn't something that is unheard of. Um, but it isn't necessarily something to panic about. So you do just kind of have to weigh your pet's risk factors. And if you never board your pet and you're not really getting them out and in a, a group dog activity, then you may not need that. So I'll have them board overnight there like that, stuff like that. Yeah, so that's a that's a risk factor. If they're going to be in a group dog situation, then that's something to consider. And only, you know, your vet knows in your area what your incidence of canine influenza is. Now, one other reason, and you asked why don't we get these new upgrades of the canine influenza vaccine, and um, the human flu goes through a lot of different mutations, and because we haven't necessarily seen that many dogs over a period of the same length of time, we, we haven't necessarily identified all these different kind of mutations that have occurred. So when that starts to happen, yes, we may expect to see um, you know other flu vaccines for dogs that have more than one um, variant within that. Does that make sense? Uh, or? They're going to get pneumonia and they're going to die. No, I'm not saying that. So that's a great point. No, Let's talk about what canine influenza is all about. It's a infectious virus which can cause mild to more severe uh, symptoms. So the mild symptoms, some pets actually, believe it or not, 20% of them that are exposed to the virus will never show a symptom, but yet they shed the virus and they can make other dogs sick. So that now, other kennel cough, there's the shot. I can't remember what the name of it is. The vaccine you're referring to is Bordetella, and it is one okay, of now many... my vet has them take it two times a year. 
Okay. I'm sorry. You're kind of cutting out, so I'm just going to get through okay. a thought. Okay. And just, okay. I'm sorry. And, My vet has them take it twice a year. Right. Every six okay. So, okay. That, so I'm going to, um, let me, please, does, please let me get through this. Okay. I'm sorry. Cause you're cutting okay, in and sorry. I can't hear. So canine respiratory disease is a complex of different organisms. There's Bordetella, which is a bacteria. There's parainfluenza, which is a virus. Um, now canine influenza is yet one more agent, which we throw into this mixed bag of canine infectious respiratory disease. Used to be what we called kennel cough, but all of these agents cause a very similar disease process. So it's hard to know when we see a sick coughing dog, which particular agent does that mm-hmm. pet have? Sometimes they can have more than one. So right. for mild symptoms, we might have a cough, we might have a sniffly nose. Dogs with um, influenza that become more severely ill, and it's a small percentage, but they can go on to get very high fevers, up to 104, up to 106. They can develop pneumonia. And the mortality right now is fortunately quite low, less than 1%. But it is something that um, if we have young pets or elderly pets or those with other health problems, they may be just like people, more at risk for developing a severe consequence from the flu. So not every pet is going to get sick or, heaven forbid, die. But we do want you to be aware of that if your pet or pet is in those Okay, kind of so even though with the 19-year-old's um, age, it shouldn't have a reaction on him. No, I'm not going to say that. There's no, 19-year-old pet is an aged pet, and and certainly your and this is where your veterinarian is going to have to counsel you on the risk factors for vaccination. And in some cases, I have dogs that can't be vaccinated for various health reasons, and if their pet yeah. is sincerely going to be in a risk situation for uh, acquiring some infectious disease, then they may do home care, uh, pet sitting, uh, you know, alternatives. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, so nobody nobody can stand there and say there's not going to be a reaction. Although I can say for all the pets with influenza, you know, the the worst I've but, seen in my but, pets but, that I vaccinated have actually been uh, some pain at the injection site. Um, but, you know, certainly any vaccine has its risks. So, But one last question. When I asked the vet, people's um, flu shots aren't based on the flu this year. It's based on the flu last year. Mm-hmm. And then they try and guess which is this one coming up this year. And this year, I believe, or last year, they guessed it really, really wrong. Is that how it does? Or she told me there is a specific flu and they do a shot for that. Yes. And so each year for the okay, human flu, I believe there's... Okay, there's only two varieties. They would do the two varieties. Okay. okay, again, you're kind of cutting out. And so as you start talking, I can't hear what I'm saying. Okay, so, I'm sorry. Is that better? Okay, so... <laughs> okay, so Okay, so when um, we upgrade the human flu vaccine each year, it's because there are so many different variants, and each human flu um, has about, I think, three different variants in it. To date, there are only two strains of canine influenza. The one that there is a vaccine is the one that has been out and about much longer. The second strain is not yet in that flu vaccine, and at some point it may be. So, um, yes, we don't change dog flu vaccines from year to year because we only have two strains as of right now that yeah. we know of. So, Okay, thank you. It, it helps clear up a dis- uh, decision. Okay, well, okay. I got to I got to say you you have uh, the question of the year. I think that was a great question. So thank you yeah, so much. Very for timely oh, thank too. Thank you. What first one asked? <laughs> You're awesome. Take care of yourself. <laughs> okay, thank you. There she Bye-bye. goes. Don't forget you can ask your questions through the uh, free Animal Radio app for iPhone. It's a free download. And don't forget if there's a recall, whatever news that affects your pets, that's also over at the app. So plenty of reason to go download it right now. Dr. Marty Becker is just around the corner right here on Animal Radio. Stick around. Sorry about that. Oh, my God. You were brilliant. You're so patient. 
You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. 800-689-0143. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, Cindy. How are you doing? Hi, just fine. How how are you guys? Very good. Where are you? Great. Um, I am in Pennsylvania right now. Pennsylvania. Are you a driver? Yes, I am. Well, you are on with the great Dr. Debbie. Thank you. Um, hi. Hi. I have a question. We have two cats that travel in the truck with us for their whole life. They're both 15 years old. Um, Okay. The one um, who's always been very vocal, but recently he will just start screaming for no reason at all. Um, Now, we are scheduled to be home at the end of the month. They are scheduled for their annual checkup. Um. But I'm kind of interested to find out what you have to say, your opinion. Um, why all of a sudden he would, I mean, he'll just wake up and just start hollering. Or he'll be up sitting on the dash, watching the traffic, whatever, and he'll jump off the the, uh, the dash and just start screaming. And, you know, as soon as you talk to him and maybe pick him up and whatever, he stops. But okay. he's just been doing this the last couple months. Okay. And and you mentioned at one time that he was doing it after he was sleeping. He woke up and started doing this behavior? Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, a couple times he'll wake up and and, um, and just start hollering. Okay. Well, you know, there's there's definitely a couple things that really come to mind here, Cindy, when I'm thinking of an older kitty that starts vocalizing kind of inappropriately. And the first things that I would have on your agenda to have checked out are going to be some things like uh, checking our blood pressure. Because older cats commonly can have high blood pressure, and that can actually cause them to be um, over vocal and even inappropriately so. Um, another big problem that we can see with older kitties is a thyroid problem, uh, where their thyroid gland produces too much of the thyroid hormone, and that too causes some anxiety type behaviors, um, but it also can cause them to do this vocalizing type thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I have- I've read about uh, overactive thyroid in um, in cats, but I had not read about the vocalizing part of it. Um, mm-hmm. But I will I will um, 
talk to my vet about that. Um, yeah, I'd get some basic tests done. And there's even a couple other scenarios that I'd want to mention as well for you, um, because sometimes they get passed up a little bit. We don't think that cats can have these kind of problems. Um, one of them being arthritis. And older cats, um, you know, they don't have the same kind of ways of showing their aches and pains to us as a dog might, where they're slow getting up and down. But cats can sometimes um, have problems where they're vocalizing. So that can be a kind of a vague sign of pain. Um, not just from the joints, but from somewhere else. And then the other thing I'd want to mention... poked around, and I don't... He doesn't seem to respond to any poking, you know? Um, Good. And that's that's what concerned me. I thought, you know, like like you say, maybe, maybe he was getting a little bit of arthritis, but he doesn't seem to respond to any poking and tugging and all that kind of stuff that I seem to do to him. Um... Yeah. Yeah, and even less understood, but it is seen in cats, is basically the equivalent of kitty senility. And at that age group, we can see older cats have some behavioral problems. And they're really, truly driven by a a problem within the brain, which is close to kind of like the human Alzheimer's. So that, too, is kind of diagnosed if we kind of rule out all these other possibilities and make sure we're not dealing with something more uh, tangible that we can kind of touch or treat with medication but cognitive dysfunction or the senility problem there is a medicine which um, I've used for some older cats and it can help them if we're dealing with that so Cindy I got a lot of possibilities here and that's uh, good that's good because those are some subjects that I can bring up um, with my vet uh, and get some answers to Um, you know I I, second opinions are, are are not necessarily a bad thing. So, um, absolutely. He does already have um, uh, a scheduled annual checkup uh, at the end of this month, and and I will, um, because it's really starting to concern us. Um, Absolutely, yeah. It's really out of uh, character for him. Well, very good. Well, I hope that helps you out. And uh, as you work your way through this senior kitty problem, nobody likes when our pets get older. If you have a question, this is Dr. Debbie. Give me a call. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu. Children at a Swedish school were recently terrorized by a drunken elk. Yes, I said drunk. Officials said the elk might have gotten a little tipsy from eating fermented apples. The elk was thought to have been attracted to the apple trees near the school, and after sampling some, he started acting irrationally. Not driving or anything, just wacky enough to scare the children. In other deer-related news, a Wisconsin woman's decorative ceramic lawn deer was attacked by the real thing, leaving it headless. Police reporting to the scene were able to identify the track marks from a real deer who obviously won the fight. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio.
animals are people too. Animal Radio. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. Hello, I'm David Bellamy, the Bellamy Brothers, and we're on Animal Radio. Love your animals. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. We observed National Pet Obesity Awareness Day this month. Did you take part in that? We all know that being overweight can seriously impact our health and that of our pets. And obesity is, you know, of course, a growing problem for people with the Centers of Disease Control estimating that as many as 70% of adults in our country are obese or overweight. Now, the statistics almost as bad for our pets. The Association for Pet Obesity Prevention, they estimate that over half 54% of cats and dogs in the U.S. are overweight or obese. So how do you know? Maybe your, you know, your dog or your cat is kind of borderline. Well, you should be able to feel your pet's ribs easily. You should be able to, when you look at them from above and you're looking down on them, you should be able to see a waist on your pet. And you should not see a sagging stomach when you view your pet from the side. Now, pets often find it truly scary this time of year. So be warned that the things that make Halloween a treat for people can often overwhelm pets. And some parts of Halloween can be downright dangerous to them. Good advice to pet owners is pretty simple and clear. So while you're out enjoying the fun, make sure your pet or pets have a pet haven in a room where they can feel safe, comfortable, and relaxed. Be sure to keep your pets away from the festivities in their safe room. Masks and costumes change how people look and even smell to a pet. So even familiar people could become frightening to your pet. And when you're going out trick-or-treating, I know it's tempting, but leave your dog at home. Dogs can be easily excited by the Halloween commotion, and it might even put them in a situation to bite or get loose and become lost. And that'll bring a quick end to all of the fun that everyone was looking forward to. The top Halloween hazards for pets are escaping and being poisoned, so be careful. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
Hi, it's Alan Cable, and it's no secret that our dog friends have transformed so many lives. They ease loneliness, make you laugh, get you out on new adventures, and help you meet people. They've even helped folks with depression and loss. They can sniff out explosives and even disease. When it comes down to it, dogs create more magic than David Copperfield. Doesn't your dog deserve the best life possible for all the magic he or she gives you? Of course they do. But how do you do it? Is it by feeding your dog the best filet mignon or letting them have free run of the house? Do we repay our dogs by letting them sleep? sleep in bed with us. I think you know where this is going, right? You want to give your dog the best life possible by educating yourself so that you can educate your dog. You know, puppies learn quick. They may learn that grabbing your clothes and shoes results in a real fun game of you chasing them or playing tug of war. They also learn that whining and barking gets them lots of attention from you. Let in, let out. (laughs) And then they learn that taking little chunks out of your hand or ankles with those sharp teeth produces super fun noise. This is the exact opposite of what you want them to learn though, isn't it? Being in charge from the very start of your puppy is better for both of you. Teaching him to sit and let go. Redirecting his behavior. Teaching him not to bite you but only toys. Making sure that when you train him, you set him up for success and make it a lot of fun. So that your puppy grows up seeing training as the funnest game ever. And then in the house, you teach your puppy that calm behavior is the right behavior. And that the yard or the park is the place for play. Don't get him revved up. Save that for outside. Then make sure you take your puppy around as many people to as many places around as many other dogs as you can. Take them everywhere you can. Parks, baseball games, shopping centers. Let them see and watch all kinds of people and dogs. Introduce them to the vacuum cleaner, the lawnmower. And when your puppy gets scared, don't say anything. Don't say it's okay. That just reinforces the fear. Just remove him from the situation or give him a treat. Redirect him. He'll get over the fear quickly when he associates it with something fun or pleasurable. So get a plan, get the education, and then get yourself a dog. And remember, good dog. Dog. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Hey, this is Big Ant from Rescue Inc. Remember, spay and neuter your animal and abuses are losers. Now back to Animal Radio. Up next, a call for Dr. Debbie. We have Lynn on the phone. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Uh, what I was wanting to know is, can I feed my cat... Raw meat and fish, as opposed to any of the canned stuff, so that it's pure. And would I have to add vitamins and taurine to it if I did? Well, I'd have to say that, you know, we know that kitties are obligate carnivores, so they need meat. Um, I am not a fan of feeding raw meat and fish in a substitution for a good quality balanced commercial cat food. For a couple reasons, and you mentioned one thing, taurine, which is an important amino acid that if we do feed a raw meat, raw fish-based diet, we're going to very likely run into multiple deficiencies, including a taurine deficiency, which is so important for cats. They have a four-time greater need for this amino acid than dogs do. So it's very easy for them, if we don't meet their needs with diet, that they can have a problem leading into all sorts of heart problems and eye problems. So um, no, I don't think that feeding just a supplement is going to make up for that. Um, There's also going to be other um, amino acids, um, nutrients. Um, there's even kitties that will have a thiamine deficiency, which is a B vitamin. And that can actually result because feeding raw fish actually can have a uh, enzyme that breaks down the ability of the body to absorb B vitamins. 
So that can also cause a whole round of other types of um, problems. So um, my bottom suggestion is I, I really wouldn't recommend going there. Um, if the base of the diet is a good quality cat diet, then I think you're better off to do that. And, uh, you know, I know oodles of people that would say, oh, I fed my cat tuna here and there, um, you know, but you just got to be very careful. There's, um, you know, a higher uh, risk of bacterial-related um, infections, these nutritional deficiencies, um, and I just don't know that I would really want to gamble with that. Plus, traveling, my gosh, isn't it easier just to <laughs> make a commercial diet in your situation? Well, um, she has kind of a problem with some of the canned pet foods and She'll eat them, and before she can even walk away from the dish, she's already thrown it up. You know, there are some kitties that cannot tolerate canned food. Um, I see a lot of them sometimes start off where we just think it's just the canned food they can't tolerate, and then with time we go on to discover they may actually have more established intestinal disease, such as inflammatory bowel disease. So I think sometimes that's kind of the early start that we make those notices, and then later on we discover they really do have more of a a digestive problem. So um, in those lines, then I'll actually look at using hypoallergenic diets for those kitties that are the frequent vomiters um, that just don't tolerate certain changes in their diet. So that, that might be one avenue we can go with for your baby. Okay, well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening, Lynn. Vinny Penn coming at you on Animal Radio, your resident party animal, if you don't mind my saying so. I want to take a few minutes of your time today to talk about something that's called the Watchdog Report. It's basically a, a compilation of a, a list of names of the people who've made the most money in a given year. Uh, What's interesting about this is uh, the goal of the Watchdog Report is to take a look at all of the major nonprofit organizations and and just kind of filter out if the money's going into the right place or not. And, of course, uh, PETA would play a big role in such a listing. And in the case of PETA, they actually have a parallel organization, a foundation to support animal protection that uh, reportedly is spending 100% of its so-called program budget on fundraising functions for PETA and blah, 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 blah. The point of this really is to just make sure that these people who are claiming to take money and put it in all of the right places and airing commercials where uh, owners are weeping over their one-eyed dog that if the, the average layperson donates X amount of dollars, that that money does go there. Basically, what you uncover in the Watchdog Report, too, is if you give just a little uh, $20 to give it, that $20 that you're sending in might be hard-earned for you, and you might think you're doing the right thing, but that just turns around and goes into more mailers. It just goes into generating more pleas for more money, which is their way of saying, the more you give, the better the chance that at least some of it will go to the right place. There is nothing more disconcerting than showing up at a, a fundraising event to benefit animals, as I've done in the past. Uh, one time I went to host uh, a specific event raising money for an animal shelter, and a gentleman pulls up in a jaguar. Now, it's appalling enough that he shows up in a vehicle named after an animal, Uh, but as the night went on, with his Blackberry hanging in his ear and all the important telephone calls that he's making in his Gucci suit, I say to him, well, you must have one hell of a day job. And he said, well, this is my day job, working for the animal shelter. Now, there is just no way that working in an animal shelter in the valley, an animal shelter that I've seen and could use a good paint job could generate enough capital for this man to be living this large. 
So we need the watchdog reports to just kind of look and make sure the money is going into the right place. So I stand by the fact that me giving him a kidney shot is not deserving of me spending a night in jail. Vinny Penn, party animal, animal radio. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And I just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet and you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals and for the environment. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. Hi, this is Kreskin. Of course, you know me as the amazing Kreskin. And you're listening to me on Animal Radio. Don't forget to spade and neuter those loved ones which we've bonded with, our pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Gotta get the studio dog back in the studio. Yeah, they're going to running around the building. People will complain. <laughs> She's like your shadow, isn't she? She is. She I follows the, you everywhere, doesn't she? I come in the studio. She comes in the studio. It's kind of cute. It is. The two are inseparable. It is time for the dog father, Joey Volani, on Animal Radio, as the uh, violin players have signified. How are you doing, Joey? I'm wonderful. If I was any better, I'd be Judy. That's probably true. I'm good. But anyway, I got a you know I got a great um, email this week um, from someone, and, and sometimes when when you're a professional, you take certain things um, for granted. And one really simple question: Is there a right, right way and a wrong way to brush my pet, meaning dog or cat? And there absolutely is. Um, you want to make sure you have the right brush, and what you don't want to do is go against the way the coat grows. And a lot of people want to do that because they get a lot of hair out, you know, real quick and it seems to work real easy. The problem is 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 you're doing two things. Number one, usually your pet doesn't like that because it's pulling and tugging and probably hurting a little bit. The other thing is is you're getting a lot of hair breakage and um that doesn't always look good on your pet. Always brush and comb the way the coat lies, okay? And I never brush real hard. I always use the weight of the brush, and that's it. And you're going to brush in a two-inch section at a time, constantly overlapping. So I'll do a two-inch area. I'll take my comb. I'll go through that area to make sure there's no knots, tangles, or shedding coat. And then I'll 
overlap a little bit, do another two-inch section, comb, two-inch section, comb. Now, it seems a little redundant, but you know what? Once you understand your pet's coat, you know, then, then you, could take a, you could take those shortcuts where you know that you're covering everything. But if you want to be thorough, that's how I would do it. And, again, go with the lie of the coat, and a couple of things happen. Number one, eventually you get all that undercoat out, and number two, your coat, your pet's coat is always going to look wonderful. Mm, it's like redoing furniture, Judy. You go with the grain on that. Yes, yes. you got to follow the follow grain. Follow the grain on that. Okay. Well, are, you, are you guys redoing furniture that that came up? Yeah, as a matter of fact. I am, yes. Well, we try not to confuse the animals with the furniture, although you do the same direction. Yes. But it's a good analogy, so you never know. If somebody knows furniture better than animals, you know, now they can relate. Don't go against the grain. Let's uh, go back to the phones. Now, remember, you can ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, Beth, how are you? I have a question for um, Dr. Debbie. I have four dogs. Three of them are labs. One is a mixed breed, and they are, I think, senior dogs. Two of them are 12 years old, and the other two are nine years old. Okay. And I have four lab. I have three labs, and like I said, a mixed breed. I was wondering. I read somewhere about feeding the dogs. We feed our dogs at night or late, late in the afternoon. I read somewhere that as your dog get up, gets older, that perhaps it's a, it's better to feed to split up the feeding. Feed in the morning and then at night. What do you think? You know, you know I personally. In general, for any dog, I like feeding twice a day, and there's a couple reasons. It generally kind of coincides with the social time in the household, so it's a bonding time, um, and I do meal feeding for my dog, so I set it down, and it, it's a time for me to kind of reward them and also practice some obedience uh, skills as well. But also it helps to kind of set that pattern of this is what you're going to do for the day. And, and for many dogs, maybe not so much in an older dog, but it helps to decrease boredom if they have things to do at the beginning and the end of the day, something to look forward to. So they're maybe less apt to chew things in the yard or around the house. Um, and then I'd say the once a day thing for an older pet, we might be a little bit more worried about some health problems. Um, if there's any continence issues, then um, twice a day feeding might be a little tough if they're unsupervised for periods of the time. Um, but it does have the benefit of if you feed twice a day, it can help to maybe decrease the risk of something such as bloat, which is a problem, especially in larger dogs. When um, if we, it's better if we feed small meals more often than very one large, very uh, big meal during the day. So that would be maybe a health benefit I could see for your situation there. But the honest truth is some dogs prefer once a day eating. And if it's kind of ingrained and they seem satisfied, then, then there's no reason you have to change it. It would be more just a strategy to kind of work on some of those other things. And in older pets, we want to make sure they are eating. So um, twice a day feeding does give you that opportunity to really kind of observe their eating and drinking on a more frequent uh, interval. And, and that might be a benefit for the older timers as well. Okay, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your help. Thank you. Thanks for calling today. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Justin Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. I'm on Animal Radio. Adopt a pet. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Ever wonder why cats purr? Well, a purr is just one of the many sounds a cat makes to communicate with other cats, humans, and anyone else who will listen. Sometimes purring is heard in a severely ill or anxious cat, but typically a purr is a sign of cat contentment. 
Kittens first begin purring as they nurse, and domesticated cats continue to purr when pet. Each cat has its own distinct purr, but just how they make that sound is pretty mysterious. One study says it's air passing through the diaphragm in spasms. Another says it's all in the voice box. But everybody agrees cats love to purr, and we love it when they do. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio. Featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And the phones are ringing white hot with your calls for Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani. And in just a few minutes, Animal Radio veterinary correspondent Dr. Marty Becker will be back on the show. Uh, it says up here on the grease board, if you see these five things in your cat, it's an emergency. This is what he's going to be talking about. Uh, I thought we did that. Did we not do that? No, no, no. It was dogs. It was dogs last time? Different things for cats and dogs. Okay, so this is for the cats. If you see any of these five things in your cats, it's an emergency, and that's coming up with Dr. Marty Becker in just a couple of minutes. Lori Brooks, working so hard in the newsroom. What do you got going on? Um, well, you know what? I, I got here early today, uh-huh, I noticed and that. I, I went into uh, Dr. Debbie's office, mm-hmm. and uh, she had a science journal. I, I have that, Dr. Debbie. It's, you're not missing it. I was looking through it. There's a Borrowed. new thing. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, but there's something new going on. It's um, a new way that is being tested. It's in trials right now. Uh, a shot or an injection that can be used as something key, super huge in the life of all kinds of animals, dogs, cats, anything. Oh, that's on the way. I cannot wait. Well, I tell you, when I ask for a tease, you really do tease me. I just, uh, every time, don't give it away your story. You get them on the hook every time. Uh, just don't leave any magazines laying around. There's a uh, news story that uh, Judy just handed me. This is cute. This is out of San Francisco where the San Francisco police officers uh, were called to a man threatening to jump from a building down on Market Street uh, or the Market neighborhood on Wednesday. Uh, the officers set up their foam pads beneath the window, you know, just in case he jumped. They brought in uh, trained hostage negotiators, and they tried for more than three hours to talk this guy out of jumping from the building. With the man still ready to jump, negotiators took kind of an unorthodox approach and brought in his pet cat. Isn't that awesome? Yes. They oh, that's great. Went to his house, got his cat. And, you know, it's common to call in, like, uh, family. Right. Family to, members, a mother, brother, sister, somebody, yeah. So this cat is, was family to him. Cat right. was family. Uh, they right. brought in this little orange, calm little kitty. Which is interesting that the kitty was calm in all of this action. Uh-huh. And the guy surrendered and, and came on down. So there's a story uh, uh-huh. that uh, has a good ending. And you, you know, you really should never underestimate the power of love between people and their pets. Oh, yeah, so true. And I think that's just a great note to end on. Yes.
Dolly, you bored her. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> She's not impressed, huh? It's a cat story, that's why. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Crystal. How are you? Good, Crystal. Where are you calling from? Um, I live in Chattanooga, but I'm on, my boyfriend is a truck driver, and we're in Illinois right now. Ooh, you, you got a boyfriend that'll take you all across the country, huh? Everywhere. Yes. You travel. fabulous. Yes. <laughs> well, you are on with Dr. Debbie. I, I have a quick question for you. I have two, um, two cats. They're about four years old. They are, they're long-haired, and they are Mancoon. So they're very big cats. From what I've been told, Mancoons are pretty large. Yeah, um, they're, they're a good-sized kitty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, about a year and a half ago, about a year ago, I had taken both of them to the vet. And my boy, his name is Tigger, he was just under 20 pounds. And the vet said that he was um, could stand to lose a pound or two but was not scarcely overweight. Okay. Um, here, I have not taken to the vet this year, but I'm sure he's probably about 23 pounds, maybe. So and uh, climbing that keeps, scale up. <laughs> he, he just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I, I tried to cut his food down at one time. I've, I've been on the road with my boyfriend the last couple of weeks, so I've been leaving food out for them. He just eats it all up real fast as soon as he can. And I don't know what I what should I do. <laughs> I need to get him to lose weight and stop this. He eats way yeah. too fast. Yeah, so they're on automatic feeding, or you just leave a bowl out? No, it's, well, it, it's called a self-feeder, but you just fill it up, and whenever they eat whatever's in the bowl, more comes out. It's not set okay. on a time or anything like that. Okay. Well, um, for those that don't know, a, a Maine Coon cat is kind of like the sumo wrestler of the cat world. They are big. Um, they're big-bodied, but they don't necessarily have to be fat. Um, and, and I see some challenges that you have in your living situation for Tigger. And, and the, the honest truth is that more cats get fat on a free-choice dry food than on anything else. So that is going to be one big limitation for you canned food, and, and this is where veterinarians kind of back up and say, I know I told you not to feed canned food, but I'm telling you to feed it now. Um, <laughs> canned food can actually be um, more helpful when we're managing weight problems in cats, and it's because that they don't have, um, their appetite centers don't seem to kind of go haywire with that. With dry food, they kind of graze, and they eat, and they eat, and they eat, and they're trying to fill themselves up on the carbohydrates and the protein, and in canned food, there's generally more protein, and, and that's kind of where I like to go with kitties that have weight problems. I go kind of on what they call the catkins diet, <laughs> where, we're, where we're not limiting carbohydrates, but but rather we're increasing protein and then that's the focus um, so there are some dry foods out there that um, are more geared that way um, I believe Innova has a dry food um, so if you're looking for one kind of leading that way and you can't go to the canned varieties and I'm not just talking about giving like fancy feast or other canned right. foods um, if we're really dealing with a weight issue then I would talk to your veterinarian about a weight loss diet that is kind of catkins friendly and they'll know the ones there's you know Purina has one called OM uh, Hills has one MD um, but those kind of follow that philosophy for cats because they really are carnivores and we have to keep that in mind okay um, and then, I mean, the other thing is, you know, indoor cats are safe from a lot of things outside, but they don't always get the most activity. And that's, I'd look for ways right. that we can enrich that and find some challenging ways to um, increase their activity level. So I don't know if, if you have tried anything along that route so far. Yeah, I try to get them toys, but they, they break them pretty fast. So I go through their toys pretty fast. <laughs> but um, yeah. I have tried to play with them a little more, especially here recently since 
it's quite noticeable that he's gained some weight in the last couple months. Yeah, and if you're around, um, one good way is to, to kind of, instead of leaving food out, is to have like little mini meals through the day where you can either hide the food or put it in a toy and kind of make them work for that rather than have them just sit down in front of the food bowl and say, feed me, Mom. <laughs> and then for activity and toys, it, we know we can't get cats on treadmills, so that's forget right. that. <laughs> but a lot of people have success with things like laser pointers. Um, and yeah. using that as a way to get them out and get them active. Um, cat dancers and little feather toys where you kind of swing it around and get them moving, those are all really good things as well. Um, and then if you have a cat that you're fortunate that likes to retrieve or to bat a ball around, that too is, you know, wait, little ways we can get that activity level up because it's the same formula <laughs> for dogs and cats as it is for people. Okay. Restrict the yeah, calories. I think I like the laser thing. I've had a laser before, and they both liked it. Uh, Emma likes balls. Tigger doesn't really. So, yeah, just find more and, things to play with. <laughs> yeah, and find definitely things that you know that will work for your kitty. And um, you know, it takes time. And we really, when we're talking about trying to lose weight in cats, we really want to keep in mind we don't want them to not eat anything because there can be some very dangerous liver problems that happen if cats stop eating completely. So we're not talking about tough love with food in cats. We just want to try to trick them into eating the way we want them to eat. So that okay. is very important. So the canned so, food uh, help slow down a little as well? I'm sorry? Will the canned food help him slow down eating? For some cats, yeah, um, and the, the canned foods um, in general, um, when I'm talking about canned foods, I'm talking about these weight loss diets, so right. um, that's, that's what we're focusing on, but um, they generally don't have that same tendency to kind of go overboard, as okay. well as they can you can control the feeding times if you feed out um, once in the morning, once in the evening, maybe a mini meal in the day, just keep in mind the daily amount that you have to feed. And if you talk to your veterinarian about uh, how much to feed, um, a lot of vets will just say, follow the instructions on the bag or on the container. And I've been guilty of that because sometimes you're busy and it's hard to do, but (laughs) we really want to ask your veterinary professional to calculate your pet's calorie needs because that's very important. Some pets are very active, some are not calculate their calorie needs and then figure out how much is in the food that you're feeding Um, because every food's different and we don't want to just assume you know half a cup or a quarter a can is going to be enough or what have you so make your vet do the work (laughs) all right great thank you so much Okay, my pleasure, Crystal, and thank you for the call. I know a lot of people are out there battling the battle of the bulge with their cats and dogs, and, you know, it takes hard work. Stick with it, and uh, you can get through it. Keep those pets healthy because obesity is actually one of the most common diseases in pets. This is Dr. Debbie on Animal Radio. Lori, how are you doing? What are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, there's a, um, a method of transportation we've been using for quite some time that is finally, at last, going to allow us to try taking animals along for a ride. Is it jetpack? But, you know, there's <laughs> no, but it's much. It's it's ancient compared to jetpacks, Hal. But there's a lot of <laughs> ifs and things that you have to do, kind of like flying with your pet. So we'll give you the lowdown. Okay, that's on the way right here on Animal Radio. We're going to head to the phones in just a second. Uh, Wacky Wednesday's big Facebook contest. We do this every Wednesday. It's where you upload your wackiest Wednesday pictures or your wackiest pet pictures 
You can be in the pictures, too. It depends, just as long as they're wacky. And uh, upload them to our Facebook page, the ones with the most likes and the most shares. Picks up great prizes from our sponsors. And this week, Miss Francis, what have you wrangled for us? Well, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's the Hachiko. It's a smart dog collar sensor and app. Hachiko. 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 You just attach it to any harness or collar, and it measures your dog's activity using Bluetooth technology. That's it's, a great prize. It's 100% waterproof and has a 12-month battery life. What do you What do you think about that? Hey, if you want to pick up on that, all you have to do is upload your Wacky Wednesday pictures at our Facebook page, and the most likes and most shares picks up that prize right there. Is that the bat phone ringing? That was the bat phone. Is that the bat dog? <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody's dogs have checked in today. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, everybody. This is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say you, right now, want to take... Wait, give me the line again. My brain skipped. Uh, Brett Michaels... I just have one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal Radio. Brett Michaels and Animal Radio. You got it. I knew the Animal Radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to Animal Radio. And take care of your pets. They will rock your world. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide, packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. Hey folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. We'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds for your calls for uh, Dogfather Joey Villani and Dr. Debbie. Or just to say hello, we want to hear from you. It's toll free. Uh, let me secure her for a second before we start Sure. <laughs> Anybody want a treat? It's too bad this is uh, radio. We have all our animals dressed up in our Halloween garb, or most of them dressed up in what they'll be wearing for Halloween, and it's it's very cute. But I don't know. They I don't know. Some of them like it. Some of them don't like it. I don't think Nikki likes it. So Doctor Debbie's gone. What her problem is? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And uh, is it uh, that Nikki doesn't like the costume you put on? (laughs) No, maybe she doesn't like my new haircut. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, that's a new haircut. Um, wow. You didn't you t- notice I thought that? that was a costume since we were all in costume today. Well, just, thanks a lot, Hal. No, I just, it looks good. I was going to say, hey, it looks good. <laughs> Seriously. You're I, batting a thousand. Keep going, yeah, Hal. Okay. Stop, I think you should stop while he's ahead. Let, let's just go to the phones. Maybe Chris can save us. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, Alpine, California. 
Alpine. Okay, I love that area. Down by uh, San Diego, huh? Correct. Okay, so what's going on? How can we help you? Well, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old English lab, Black. Um, His name is Wally, and for the past couple of weeks, Wally has decided that um, he wants to poop in the house. Uh, The only thing that I can think of, you know, as far as, like, changes around the house that we've made, um, we did have to move his crate from one side of the living room to another, and he's pretty much free to come and go out of the crate as he wants to. Uh, but, um, you know, and, and we have a visitor, uh, in town, my mother-in-law is here visiting. Uh, and so, you know, other than that, there, not really anything has changed, but he will just, um, you know, he doesn't give us any sign that he wants to get outside and go use the bathroom. And Mm -hmm. when we're not looking, he'll find a spot normally right in the middle of the floor and, uh, take care of his business and then go in the crate and look at us like, you know, what did I do? Okay. Oh. So, interesting. So does he have, um, how does he go to the bathroom? Does he go doggy door? Do you have to let him out when he goes? No, we we take him out. Um, we live in a condo, so, uh, you know, we go and walk him pretty good. And we've got several green common areas. And then, you know, we walk uh, up and down the street and, you know, get him to stretch his legs out. And sometimes we'll take him out to the grass, pull his leash off, and just let him, like, run around in circles a few times, you know, and burn off some energy. Mm-hmm. And so does this, um, the accidents, does that coincide with when your mother-in-law has been visiting them? Um, pretty close to it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I would, no, no, <laughs> she's, she's a great woman. You know, I don't want to get myself in trouble here. She really no, is. absolutely she's, not. I'm, I'm going to save you here because yes. I'm not even going to okay. let you even go there. But okay. I guess what I was going to get at is that anytime there is a, a major change in household schedules, um, anything that could be perceived as a stressor to a dog. And a stress is something that alters the way that they perceive or that they feel that they can move about within their environment. So that certainly could have some role. That and combined with, you know, changing the location of, you know, the um, the, the kennel or the crate where, where he, he resides. So that certainly can. So that may mean we need to really look at um, his overall, um, what he's telling us, um, if he doesn't signal well when he needs to go to the bathroom, that's one thing that we can start to try to work on. Because hopefully this, you know, your visitor, once that, once your visitor leaves, hopefully the pooping problem will go away. But if it doesn't, then it actually can just kind of trigger this type of problem. So when okay. we have a stressor, it creates anxiety. Dogs don't know what to do, so they fall out of their habits. And we're more likely to see a problem with house training. He will normally let us know um, if he's got to go. He He has a way of kind of, gently nudging our hand or kind of grabbing our hand with his teeth but not really biting you know it's just kind of like okay it's time to go but he he really hasn't given us those signals like he normally does he just Mm -hmm. you know and and this is where when when we have a change in the household there's different things going on so there's a different pattern of our behavior what we may notice what we may recognize so a lot of this is also addressing our, our own behavior. So if you have a house right. guest and you're having something like this, um, then it does mean addressing some of those basic house house training skills and going back to square one. So, you know, making sure we are setting up a special time where he can go outside without soliciting it and asking for it. And, okay. um, you know, making sure that he is feeling included so that, you know, we're not 
if, if we're, all we're doing is visiting with our visitor and we're not paying attention to him, we don't want to say that he's feeling bad or feeling like he's left out because then we put human emotions on it. But we may be more right. apt to see some stress or anxiety behaviors. So, okay. um, so, so that's definitely. And since you are in an ap- apartment, uh, if this was a home and he was doing that and he still, say, had a doggy door access, I would still say take him on that leash and take him outside and positive rewards, you know, when he does the potty um, outside and really make it a big deal and that he's doing the right thing in the right location. And this is what makes me happy and stress that and not so much when he has his failure um, because we don't really want to dwell on that because that actually can amplify a dog that's having some anxiety over a situation. And and then make sure you are, you know, the areas that he is doing this, make sure that we are using a good enzyme-based cleaner to take that scent out because that is a very important part of things because there are some dogs that when they have anxiety and they feel unsure about things they will actually defecate in the close environment because that is where they feel safe that's their home zone so for any reason he's feeling less than safe right now um you know we want to make sure that we're also working on his confidence so um you know allowing him to do things that give him satisfaction and that he can succeed at so you know if he likes to retrieve throw the ball um have him give it back to you um some dogs just basic obedience is a reasserting on a daily basis I'm going to request you to do this, and you do this, and you get a reward. And that's just one of those things that just helps to give them confidence that they're they're learning a skill, um, they're challenging their mind, and it and really can make them feel more complete. Awesome. All right. I appreciate the uh, advice, guys. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-472-0658. 800-472-0658. 800-472-0658. That's 800-472-0658. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Like one of our favorite people on the planet, Bob Barker, we always like to remind people, as a family, as a business, as individuals, remind people to spay or neuter their pets. But check this out. Researchers at Caltech have come up with a different, much less expensive and less invasive option than traditional spay and neuter. All it is, one shot. A simple injection. The researchers found that just one shot into muscle tissue in mice was able to stop sperm and egg production. This study at this point is just proof of concept in mice only. But more research, of course, is going to be done, you can bet that, to assess if it would be effective in dogs or cats. Right now, the Cincinnati Zoo is conducting a pilot study, in fact, with female cats to see if that shot works. Traveling with your fur kids is not usually easy. It takes a lot of planning and preparation. And in fact, in some ways you want to travel, you can't even take your pet, so it's not even possible. But now Amtrak is letting passengers bring their pets aboard some of their northeast regional trains. The service started this week after a successful trial in Illinois. Now, just keep in mind that Amtrak does charge 25 bucks for your pet and your pet Plus, the carrier combined has to be a weight of 20 pounds or less. 
and it has to be able to be placed underneath your seat. Of course, service animals are always allowed. An anonymous real-life hero saved the life of a dog who was trapped inside of a burning home this week in Tennessee. As someone who witnessed it describes, this guy in a gray Mustang pulls up and says, I do this for a living. He gets out of the car, runs in, and comes out of the burning house about two minutes later holding this beautiful dog in his arms. Well, less than one minute later, after the guy and the dog get out of the house, the roof caves in. Everything is burning. While adding to the joy of saving the dog who was being cared for by a pet sitter while his owners were out of town, also three cats who were believed to have died in the fire, they have been found roaming around the neighborhood, though the house was a total loss. But all the pets are alive. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We'll head back to your calls in just a second for Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani. But first, time to visit with our good friend, Animal Radio veterinary correspondent, Dr. Marty Becker. And uh, when I saw this on the grease board today, the topic, if you see these five things in your cat, it's an emergency. And I said, well, didn't we do that? And apparently, no, we we did dogs. So That's now right. it's time for your cat. So cat They're owners, different. Uh, listen up. Dr. Becker, how are you doing? Hey, friends. And you know what? You know, the king of corny here. When I give my wife, I don't give her 12 roses. I give her 12 red roses and a white rose. And that's called the Becker's Dozen. You get it? So the Baker's Dozen. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to give you six. Oh, really? Five. Oh. For the price of five. Six. Okay. For the price of five. And one of the things I do, a lot like Deb does, you know, we're practicing. As a matter of fact, I'm practicing tomorrow. We have our textbooks. We have the Veterinary Information Network. We go to conferences. We have textbooks. So we're constantly learning. So before I did this, I reached out to the two really known uh, veterinary emergency specialists. I wanted to verify that I had this right. So I'm going to tell these to you, and, and they're not in any particular order, okay? So if I was going to give you a number seven, it's kind of a no-brainer, and that's a pet you find unconscious. So that does happen. So, of course, you're going to take it to the veterinarian. Sure, sure. But the first one I start about is the sudden inability to use the hind legs. And it's not uncommon for a cat to get a thrombus. And so we call it a saddle thrombus. So the aorta goes down. Uh, the aorta is the biggest vessel that leaves the heart. And it goes down and it bifurcates and goes down each leg in a femoral artery. And you can get a clot there. And that can cause them to suddenly not be able to use the rear end. There's also some neurologic things. But if your cat's wobbly in their rear end, you know, it shows weakness. It's not being able to pick its feet up normally. That's definitely rush it in time because if it is a clot the sooner we see it the better uh the second thing is uh, i put down unable to urinate but i i would kind of expand that about multiple trips to the litter box because sometimes people think their cat is constipated they don't realize that it's not able to urinate so if you're seeing your cat going back to the litter box going back to the litter box and you look in there there's there's no spots of urine that's rush to the vet time okay? because that, that can get in a big problem in a big hurry. Uh, the third thing would be bleeding from a wound or an orifice. So you see bleeding from the mouth, see bleeding from the ears, from the rectum, or see some kind of visible wound. The, the next thing is ingesting a poison. And the number one thing I think about is lilies, and we also want to add Tylenol to that. So the first one is lilies that are so fragrant, and so, you know we love to smell them, and unfortunately cats do too. Mm. 
And we have a saying in veterinary medicine, lilies are lethal. Uh, attacked by a dog, hit by a car, ran through the fan belt, high fall. Sometimes these cats, I've had a cat, couldn't get the cat out of the tree, and literally after about 10 days had to cut the tree down with a cat in it. It was so, it was, this sounds made up, but the tree was too high to get it with a cherry picker. I had somebody else come out and try to get it down. The only thing we could think of finally was to cut it down. And so the cat flew out of there like you'd have a, you know, a chuck it. You I know, bet. Of, so this chuck was about 60 feet high with a cat. I'm flying out of the end of it. You know, it's been up there about till probably 10 days without food or water. Oh, so, but wow. immediately it, it ran, it ran off and it was just fine. You think it's just fine, but no, it wasn't just fine. So we take it to the vet and, you know, if it gets attacked by a dog, hit by a car, run through a fan belt, any kind of trauma like that. Uh, that's about it. Of those things I'd worry the most about that we see most commonly is unable to urinate. That's for sure the one that that I would think would be the, the highest thing along if you see it in just Lily, some kind of a poison. Mm, okay. But what about if a cat doesn't eat in 24 hours? Oh, that's different than a dog not eating in 24 hours, yeah. Def- yeah. Definitely, definitely. The cats uh, can get in a you know, a lot of trouble in a big hurry. And we're, we're running through this. We've got five dogs now and three cats and you can change dog food and they can go a couple of days without eating. Usually they'll buckle in, but with a cat that doesn't eat for whatever reason, that can definitely be an emergency. You should definitely take it in. You never know what it is. You know, you never know if it's an early stage of uh, obstruction. You never know if it's uh, just impacted with hair. You never know what it is. And it's you know, the best thing we can do is come in and run our tests and find out that everything was fine and, and uh, give it something a little more palatable and it starts eating again. Yeah. Okay. All good information there. We'll put that over at the website at animalradio.com. Now, and I just mentioned this before, starting Monday, the, happy, the Healthy Happy Dog Summit kicks off. It is free. It is online. There are some great lecturers. Among them is your daughter, Mikkel Becker, will be joining us. And- oh, Great. She was over this weekend, by the way, and and was helping. My wife is into pet massage now, so we got everybody involved with pets. So a vet, a trainer, and a pet massage therapist. (laughs) All in the family. (laughs) All the family. Keeping it all in the family. Dr. Marty Becker, thanks so much for joining us. Look forward to doing it again. Thank you, friends. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Police in Cleveland have a new weapon on the war on drugs, and she only weighs eight pounds. Midge, a Chihuahua Rat Terrier mix, is Cleveland's newest canine officer. Canine dogs are usually larger breeds, but Midge doesn't let that hold her back. She just passed her state-certified drug training test with high marks in finding marijuana. Her small size was actually an asset. She has a special talent for sniffing it out using her tiny nose to get into small spaces. Her talents have landed her on numerous TV shows including CNN, MSNBC, and the Rachel Ray Cooking Show, where that talented nose of hers probably got a real workout. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. My dog's talking to his buddy on Skype. Yeah, that poodle next door really is a snob. Hey, wait a minute. I do not smell like a human. Stop telling your friends I have fleas. 
I know you are, but what am I? Wouldn't it be great if you could talk to your dogs and they could talk back? A lot of people think their dogs do understand their conversation. Dogs can understand some words. There's no doubt about that. But when you have a conversation with them, they have no idea what you're talking about. We talked about how clicker training speeds up everything. There's more than one way to communicate with your dog. Hand signals with the word. If you have a dog and he knows a command, let's say sit, walk up to him right now. Think up a hand signal that you'd like to use for sit. Maybe it's a closed fist. Maybe it's a chopping motion. Whatever you choose. Every time you tell your dog to sit, use that exact hand signal. You'll notice your dog's focused even more than before on what you're doing. Dogs are always watching us, and what they're looking for is signs of leadership. Hand signals are a great way to accomplish that and to communicate with your dog. They'll also speed up the process of you teaching your dog new things. When you tell your dog he's being good, have a hand signal to go along with it. Have a hand signal for the word treat. If you take time out and watch your dog, you're going to notice your dog spends a lot of time watching you, much more than you do watching him. Eventually, you can communicate with your dog without talking at all, and you'll be amazed how fast he learns new things when you use a hand signal as well as a word for what he's already doing. Yes, we all know you were the first puppy in the litter to be housebroken. I can't repeat that. I've got hand signals for stop, down, stay, sit, get behind me, heal, watch me or pay attention, treat, and good dog. My dog hates that hand signal. It's the one I used to tell him we're watching The Bachelor. Oh, you're a good dog. No, Dr. Debbie's not going to give you a shot. Get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. Thousands of authors across the country have written books and published them with Page Publishing. If you've written a book, they can help you through the process. Cut through the confusion of the publishing world to make it easy for you. If they decide to publish your book, your work ends, theirs begins. From copy editing and proofing to typesetting and book cover art. Plus, get your book printed, distributed, and sold on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and in bookstores across the country. They even help promote your book. Biography, self-help, mystery, novels, sci-fi, or even a children's book. No matter what genre, Page Publishing can bring your book to life. And don't forget to ask about audiobooks. We do all of this for you. Call today for your free writer's guide packed with tips, tricks, and templates to help you finish what you started. 800-215-6815. That's 800-215-6815. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. We caught up with Dr. John Howe, Certified Aquatic Veterinarian at the American Veterinary Medical Association Convention in Denver. Dr. Howe does surgery on fish. We take them out of the water, we put them in a bath that has the anesthetic in it, and we set them on a form so they're laying in the position we want them to, and we run a tube with water being pumped out of the anesthetic water into their mouth, flowing over the gills, so that keeps them anesthetized. There's more at avma.org. That's avma.org. Oh, what did he say? He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. Is this Vern? Uh, yes, it is. Hey, Vern, how you doing? Excellent, thank you. Where are you calling from today? Modesto, California. Lovely Modesto. Yes, sir. You uh, No, it's not sir. That's my dad. <laughs> okay. yes. I'm feeling old this week as it is. You are on with Dr. Debbie. 
Yes, Dr. Debbie. Hello, how you well, doing? Well, hi, Vern. I'm hi. doing great. How are you today? Excellent. Thank you. Uh, my question is, I have a Rhodesia Ridgeback, and um, I, ha- uh, I had her fixed, and right after I had her fixed, she started having problems with a leg, and I'm not really sure about you know her weight, because she immediately gained a whole bunch of weight. What's her name? Her name is Simba. Simba. I, I wasn't too sure. Yeah, female dog, I named Simba, but it... You know, I didn't know anything about a Ridgeback. I didn't even know she was a Ridgeback. And I took her to a PetSmart. She walked around and she picked up a toy. The first toy she picked up was a, a lion with a squeak. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's kind of ironic, you know. So it is, you know, almost like her color. Yeah. And ever since then, everything she likes has to be the, almost the exact same color she is. Her favorite cat is an orange cat. Well, that's interesting. I know it is very uh, interesting because I keep, now I keep questioning myself: Are dogs really colorblind? Mm. Well, dogs are particularly colorblind, but they do see shades of gray. And how old is she? She is going to be turning uh, eight pretty soon. Okay, so she's getting up there in her senior years. And you said this weight gain that she had it developed um, shortly after she was spayed. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and also, it had a she came with a, a leg issue right after that when she gained the the weight. Yeah, well, and, and you raise a good point: is that it could potentially be something that was kind of lingering under the surface that when she gained some weight, it, it really put an extra force on you know those maybe questionable joints um, that were developing. So that's a possibility, and it's kind of hard to really prove that one way or another. Um, but the one thing you did say, as far as with a lot of female dogs, can tend to gain weight after they've been spayed, and it's not doesn't have to happen. <laughs> it's something we can be prepared for because we know there's so many benefits to spaying our pets that extend their life um, that we know their metabolism changes once they are spayed. So what my suggestion and what I tell every one of my uh, female dog owners as they are getting that surgery done is you almost have to plan right away the day of that surgery to kind of slightly modify your feeding regimen. If they're on a puppy food at that time, you scale back and go to an adult food. Um, if you're feeding a certain amount, I'd like to scale back maybe a quarter cup a day um, because if we continue feeding as we did before the surgery, um, they will gain weight. And it's not that it's a side effect of the surgery. It's just their metabolism does change when they're altered. So that's one thing you might have to work on some weight loss efforts now, um, you know, feeding a low-calorie food, uh, doing non-weight-bearing exercise like swimming is such a great thing if you have the capability and in California um, you know that's certainly you might have that ability to exercise her when we're talking about what is the perfect weight for dogs there's not an exact number you may have breed standards for the Rhodesian which may be oh golly somewhere between you know 60 pounds to 85 pounds but what's more important is what we call body condition scoring and this is something all veterinarians do when we examine a pet. We put a little notation in the pet's chart. And the body condition score is a number system that we use. And um, for our office, we use a one to five scoring method. A three is a perfect weight dog. But basically, some of the things we look at is we look at the overall shape. We want to see a little waistline, a silhouette, um, if you will, if you kind of stand over your dog. Um, when you look from the side, you want to see that their belly's kind of tucked up. There's a little flank. If they're pretty much shaped like a sausage from either direction, that's an indication that you may have a weight problem for your pet. Now, and with the leg, there's some things that we would look at. When she's limping on that leg, does she pick it up completely or does she kind of put it down and just kind of gimp on it a little bit? She gimps on it. 
She gives on it. Okay. So that too, I'd say we'd probably want to look at both her knee to see the, the health of her knee, make sure there's no problems with her kneecap popping out of place or a damaged ligament in the knee, as well as look at the hips because, you know, we, we definitely can see some a whole gamut of different problems in um, not just in the um, Rhodesians, but in a lot of the larger breed dogs. So now okay. one other thing I didn't mention is um, some hormone problems or thyroid problems with an older pet that's gaining weight. That might be something we look at. Uh, wouldn't time necessarily with the spay surgery um, if, if your uh, assumption's correct that she gained weight after that. But thyroid problems can definitely cause weight gain. So that too, you might want to talk to your veterinarian about. Judy actually uses the body condition scoring test here for the UPS delivery men. She's actually given me, what, a <laughs> minus 15? Yeah, you're way out. You're not even on the record anymore. You're off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's about time for us to get on out of here. I want to remind you, starting Monday is the Healthy Happy Dog Summit. This summit includes 30 experts. Head on over to animalradio.com slash summit and sign up. It starts Monday, goes on for a couple of weeks here, and it is free animalradio.com slash summit. Have yourself a great week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.